Last week we talked about Shabbat Hagadol, the great Shabbat, which is the Shabbat that comes just before Pesach, where we are now. So this Shabbat begins the first of the appointed times, the one that we call Pesach or Passover. And even though technically Pesach is just one day in God's appointed times, it's been linked to and includes the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which will continue all the way through next Shabbat. So if you're missing the bagels this week, you're going to miss them again next week. We're going to continue with the unleavened bread through next Shabbat. But there's something interesting about these particular days, other than the fact that this is actually the beginning of the year, even though in the fall we're going to be talking about the beginning of the year. But this is the beginning of the year according to what God said in Scripture. And this time, and I've, met, I've used this term before about this time of the year, we enter kind of a holding pattern. We are observing and celebrating an appointed time of God. And in some of our homes, we actually have some evidence of which appointed time it is. How do, why do I say that? The decorations? Hmm, not so much. The food? Well, you're getting there. But it's because of the matzah crumbs. They're being left all over the floors. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Just 24 to 48 hours ago, didn't we go and start this holiday by cleaning crumbs out of our homes and off the floor? But now there's more crumbs, it seems, than there were to begin with because matzah is hard to control. Go figure, right? But it's a reminder I don't know about you, I do like matzah, but not enough that I eat it every day of the year. So I don't, do not have matzah crumbs on my floors until Pesach. But something else happened. As I said, we're in like a holding pattern. Time has stopped. You might ask me right about now, how is it time has stopped? Nobody asked. Okay. But I've shared this in the past, too. You may have noticed that we put our regular Torah reading on hold. We just entered five weeks ago into Vayikra, Leviticus. But if you noticed this morning, Batya read from Numbers. And one of the other appointed readings for today is from Exodus, which Norm read earlier today. What happened? How do we go all over the place from Leviticus? Well, when, when we began the book of Leviticus, we began through last week reading about the laws, reading about the commandments that were given to the Israelites. In a way, you could say as they were planning the Torah cycle, the rabbis accomplished the impossible. They made time stand still. Not only that, they moved it all over the place. In one case, they moved it backwards. In another case, they moved forward. They didn't stay with their appointed reading cycle. 
So we go back, and why do we go back? Because we go back to Exodus. That's what this appointed time is all about. It's about the Exodus from Egypt. So we go back to remember. We go back into the wilderness, you could say. That way it gives us the opportunity to fully focus on Pesach. Aside from all the rules, all the regulations, all the laws, all the commandments that we're going through in Leviticus, we're going back to a time before. We're going back to a time of slavery and redemption from that slavery. We get to see and read about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of the freedom from slavery and tyranny. The readings for Pesach focus on remembering the exodus from Egypt. We read once again about the golden calf incident. We read again about Moses destroying the first set of tablets. We read again about how Moses went back up onto Mount Sinai and received another set of tablets that he brought down. And then God did something else. He gave us an assurance through Moses that what has become known as the Shalosh Esrei Midot Rakamin, the 13 attributes of mercy, which are found in Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7, where it says, Then Adonai passed before him and proclaimed, Adonai, Adonai, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth, showing mercy to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means leaving the guilty unpunished, but bringing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children to the third and fourth generation. How many have read through those verses before and just read through and saw words, but never really dwelt on those words and understood that this is the merciful God that we serve. He's very gracious. He's very compassionate. And he wants us all to come to repentance and acceptance of Yeshua. These divine attributes that we recall at Pesach as we read this passage from Exodus are the very same attributes, if you think about it, and you look back and even look forward, that we find that we studied during the High Holy Days. Because once again, we're looking at the compassion. We're looking at the grace that God shows to us when we're obedient and when we turn to Him. So just like in the High Holy Days, here at Pesach, we observe how God wants to be towards us. We may not accept it. We may turn away, and many do. But He's there. He's gracious. He's compassionate, no matter what we do or say. And, of course, that second set of tablets became known as the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments or the Ten Statements that God made. So instead of continuing in Leviticus through the Torah readings that are already laid out for the entire year, we take this detour of sorts, of sorts and, and we reflect back on that story of freedom, which should cause us to look around and ask ourselves, how you doing? You know, I'll say it later on this evening, and I'm going to say it this morning, this afternoon, that 
We have to remember something about this time of year. Yes, it was generations ago. It was the Israelites of the time, along with a mixed multitude that was with them, which would be the Gentile nations that were with them. And how does that apply to us today? What does that have to do with us? Because we are told by the rabbis that we're supposed to think of it as if we ourselves were in Egypt and came out of slavery. We came out of bondage, and we've come into that freedom that God provided. So we look at it as if it's personal, not as, oh, yeah, someone long time ago. No, it's about us. It's about our relationship with God. So again, how you doing? We should use this Shabbat as a kind of a time warp. Anybody who's watched any science fiction movies or shows, you got a number of them. My favorite would be Star Trek. And you, they, they go into this time warp where they're distanced, distanced from the place they are now and they're transported into a new place. That's where we are for this week. We are in this time warp. But it's not just to understand the meaning of Passover, but to understand and look at the meaning Passover has in our lives. We can look at a lot of things. We can look at the Seder plate, and we can look at all the meanings behind every object on the Seder plate. But what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? How do I live that in my own life? And that's what we need to do. We need to put ourselves in that position to understand what Passover means for us. We could even look at this break in the cycle as an opportunity to separate ourselves from the everyday passing of time. Again, a time warp. We've stepped out of time for a moment and we're remembering something that happened before. Sometimes it takes stopping and looking back to remember things. One of the things that I used to really hate in school, and I say hate, I used to hate history. To me, I didn't need to know about the things that happened way back then. But since I become a believer, history has become fascinating to me. And I understand the necessity of looking back and understanding what was happening and why it was happening. I appreciate it now. But in school, I hated it. I didn't want to know what happened then. I want to know what's going on now. What's, what's it mean for me now? But see, looking back does help you to understand what's in it for you now because you know where you've come from. You know where everything has come from. And if you think of yourself as coming out of slavery in Egypt, you have a deeper understanding of why you are what you're doing today and how you are today. And, of course, it's a time of the year when we begin to count the Omer. That's when we count the days and the weeks that lead up to the next appointed time, Shavuot. And that's the time we celebrate the receiving of the Torah. Now, I don't think there's anybody in here that would disagree with me, but time seems to go by too fast. Faster than we could ever want it to, faster than we could ever realize So we could take this break in time as a way to give us an opportunity to stop and review. Again, how you doing? Otherwise, we can actually miss out. We could definitely 
miss something that's going on. It's so easy in our busy lives for things that are otherwise extraordinary to get lost in the ordinary. There's so many things going on. I won't get into details, but this past week was horrible for Batya and I. A decision we made on Wednesday seemed to set us spiraling. From Wednesday through Friday, we both had more anxiety than we've probably had all year. More stress than we probably had since last year. Building and building. I experienced moments of extreme anger during that time. We couldn't figure out what was going on. Nothing seemed to be going right. Here I am trying to prepare a lesson to teach this morning. I can't hear from God because I'm so caught up in all the stuff that's going on in my day. Only to find out, after we get home last night, we, saw, we found the answer. Shortly after lighting the Shabbat candles, we found, we received the answer. And all of a sudden, all that anxiety, all that stress, all that anger, all that frustration seemed to disappear. We were so busy in the moment, we were missing the extraordinary aspects of our lives. We couldn't have, could not fully appreciate it until that moment when we did our weekly stepping out of time and into Shabbat, forgetting about all that stuff that happened all week long and entering in the rest of Shabbat. Then it came to us, the answer to what was going on. Now, I've used this illustration before, and you can, you can jump, jump in there if you want to, Mouse. The Steve Miller Band had a song called Fly Like an Eagle. And part of the lyric says, time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. See, I knew somebody was going to come up, jump in there. Thank you, Doug. But it's true. Because we get caught up in all the things we're doing and have to do and forgot to do. The next thing you know, it's the future. Now everything else is the past. How do you make up for it? By stopping and looking back. Which is what we're doing for this next week. We're looking back. No matter how hard we try, sometimes that's just the way life is. But since we do have this opportunity to interrupt our, daily, our regularly scheduled program, let's take it as an opportunity to remember the passages of Scripture where we reflect on our deliverance from an oppressive pharaoh in Egypt and entered into a freedom, into a newness of life through Yeshua. What is that one something you really wanted to do, but you kept putting it off until someday? We have seven weeks until Shavuot arrives. As we begin counting what is it that you're thinking about that can really matter. Could this be now your someday that you've been waiting for? I would say if it is, stop waiting. Receive it. Accept it. Live in it. 
Because time can be elusive. As time continues to pass by, our memories can begin to blur, to put it very politely. The only way to keep those memories fresh is to stop and look back and reflect upon those memories. And in order to recall those things that we valued and maybe even let slip away with time, bring them back fresh. During the Passover Seder, just before we would normally eat that long-awaited meal, we come to this place where we introduce the korech, better known as the Hillel sandwich, which is named after Hillel, who combined all the main ingredients of a Seder in one single bite. The entire Passover sacrifice is in those three ingredients, the matzah, the maror, and the karoset. When we receive and eat the korech, we taste something special. We taste something unique. And everyone tastes something different. Why is that? Some people, to disguise the taste of the horseradish, will pile on the karoset. Others that want to appreciate the bitterness will be light on the karoset and pile on the horseradish. So not everybody gets the same taste, but you get the taste that you need. We all get the taste that we need. So we have the crunchiness of the matzah, the bitterness of the moror, the sweetness of the choroset, all mixed together in our mouths. We, at that point, are enjoying the taste of life. Because that taste, as we all know, can be bittersweet. If your life is all peaches and cream, honey and sweetness, I, I don't want to be around you when the bitterness comes on you. Because it does. As long as we're living in these bodies, we're going to experience all of it. But the choroset, again, it makes that, it mellows out that bite of the maror and helps make that korach a little bit more palatable. I, for one, I enjoy the horseradish, so it doesn't bother me to have extra horseradish. But on the other hand, she appreciates the, the choroset. So again, we do not taste the same thing, but we're eating the same elements but we get a different appreciation for it. So the maror will bring out that sweetness in the choroset. I mean, I know there's several here that cook. And you know, sometimes you have to add a certain ingredient that's not necessarily the most pleasing ingredient by itself, but it brings out the other flavors. Well, that's what happens when we mix the choroset with the maror. They come out, they bring each other's flavors out. The bitterness brings out the sweet. The sweetness brings out the bitter. And you have this something that you can all appreciate in your own way. So as time keeps on slipping into the future, we recognize that life truly is bittersweet. And if we just take time to stop and remember, especially the sweetness of life, we can come to this realization that the bitterness only helped us to fully appreciate the sweetness. 
If you never had turmoil or difficulty in your life, and I don't know a human being alive today that hasn't, you know when the goodness and the sweetness comes along, you appreciate it a lot more. So today we have this chance to kind of... How, how many remember VCRs and cassette players and such like that? You, you know, well, actually, actually MP3 players, and they, they have that too. The pause button. For different reasons, different people hit the pause button, whether it's because the phone's ringing or someone's at the door or you want to pause and pick up later where you left off. But we hit the pause button right now. And so as we are pausing, I encourage you to take this time to reflect on your life. Take time to remember everything that the Lord has brought you out of and where he's taken us to. Where have you been? Where's he taking you? How you doing? Passover is this image of our promised Messiah. John wrote in his gospel account in John 1.29, the next day John sees Yeshua coming to him and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeshua would ultimately become the ultimate sacrifice, and by doing that, he delivered us and saved us from our sin. Your sin may not be like my sin, and my sin not like yours. Our sins are definitely a little bit different than the Israelites that were enslaved, but there were similarities. But sin is sin is sin is sin. Yeshua died to cover all those sins. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, Yeshua covered it. Passover is a story. That's why we have the Haggadah, which means the telling. Telling of what? The Passover story. But it's also a celebration of the deliverance from bondage. The deliverance from slavery. A deliverance from tyranny. It's a story of redemption. A redemption that was brought about through the blood of Messiah. The fulfillment of Passover has happened through Yeshua. Who, is, who, as Rav Shaul says in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, get rid of the old chametz, the old leaven, so that you may be a new batch, just as you are unleavened for Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. We become unleavened because of what Yeshua did for us. We should no longer be living and dwelling in the sin that we were dwelling in before we accepted Messiah. That's what the goal of Messiah was all about. So Yeshua died for us on Passover. And by dying, he brought us redemption by his blood. I told you, my sin is not like your sin. Your sin is not like my sin. But Yeshua's blood is the same for us all. No matter how... I've heard this before, and I'll probably keep hearing it again and again. You've probably heard it before, too. I was the worst sinner. No. We're all horrible sinners. But Yeshua took care of that. John refers to him, the Lamb of God, over 25 times in the book of Revelation. So it must be a, there must be some importance to that. Again, depending on your translation, you may not count 25 times. So don't dispute me on that. If you have the authorized version, it's probably fewer. 
If you have the tree, of, the tree of Life version, it may be more. I don't know. Average translations show 25 times that John spoke of Yeshua as the Lamb of God. Now, just remember what the message of Passover is. It's not only that we've been freed from all the various things that had us imprisoned. Because let's face it, we may not have been in bondage. We may not have been under Pharaoh's hand personally. But we were imprisoned in our own sin. So we were all in bondage. But we can also remember that we are confidently passing forward, pressing forward. We're moving towards the promise of life eternal. This should be our ongoing, everlasting message of hope, a hoped-in Messiah Yeshua. What have you done? Doesn't matter. Yeshua's blood can cover that. What have you done? Doesn't matter. Yeshua's blood can cover it. What have I done? It doesn't matter. Yeshua's blood can cover it. Again, I ask, how you doing? Are you moving on past the redemption that he offered and gave to you? Or are you dwelling in that past to the point that you're forgetting what he's done and how he's delivered you and me from our sin? That's what's important to us. Not what he delivered you from. That's part of your personal testimony. If you choose to share that with someone. But that's what he's done for you. That's what he's done for me. He's delivered us from our own individual sin. He can't deliver me from your sin. And he can't deliver you from mine. It's a personal choice on our parts to accept that sacrificial blood that he shed on the execution stake and move forward in newness of life. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we thank you, we bless you, and we just magnify your holy name. During this season of Pesach and unleavened bread, Lord, we just pray that as we eat the elements of the Seder plate, as we Go through this week eating only unleavened bread and no leavened bread. Let us understand and remember the importance, the significance. That it's not just so that we eat something different that may not be pleasing. But let it be pleasing to us knowing what it stands for. What each of these things represent. We thank you for the bitter. We thank you for the sweet. And we thank you for bringing it together so that we're complete. But most of all, we thank you for the blood of Yeshua who takes away our sin and allows us to be complete in the redemption that Yeshua offered. Abba, I just pray that if there's someone here today that has never given themselves to you and you're speaking to their heart right now, I pray that they would say the words, Father, forgive me. For I have sinned. I've sinned against you. I accept Yeshua today as my Messiah, as my deliverer. 
Help me to walk in newness of life in Yeshua. Father, if someone prayed that for the very first time today, I pray that you would honor that prayer, that you would go forth and walk with them. Speak to them in their intimate hours. I pray they would reach out to someone else and let us know that they've accepted Messiah Yeshua as a covering for their sin and that they desire to walk in newness of life. Thank you, Abba, in Yeshua's name. Amen.